Would you pray with me? O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. In popular imagination, the moment after I draw my last breath, my spirit will be transported and I'll appear on like a kind of a sidewalk, sort of a sidewalk made out of clouds, and I'll be standing before the pearly gates of heaven. Perhaps there's a little bit of a line in front of me. But just ahead, sitting beside the gates of heaven, is none other than St. Peter. That is, Peter, the apostle of Jesus, Peter who holds the keys to the realm of God, Peter, the rock upon whom the church is built, Peter, like from the Bible is what I'm getting at. And what St. Peter is doing there is that he's acting as a, as a kind of a, a mixture between a, a judge and like a maitre d' and a bouncer. And I stand before him and he looks over his book. And in this book is written all the deeds of my life, everybody else's life too. But he's looking over all the deeds of my life and deciding about whether I'm going to get into heaven based upon what's in that book there. And if this particular picture from the popular imagination of the very beginning of the great beyond, if this is something you believe in, great. And if this whole St. Peter business isn't for you, great. This is not an essential of the faith. It is a way that people try to imagine the unimaginable. It's like trying to swallow the sea. But you'd best start with a mouthful. But in this imagining of St. Peter at the gate and all, with this idea in mind that St. Peter is the one who's deciding who's in and who's out, then today's scripture reading would be a little concerning. Here we have Jesus. He's been teaching about different ways that people inside of the faith community, how different ways people can hurt one another and how to go about repairing those breaches. And it's all very solid stuff. Speak to people directly. If needed, bring in other trusted advisors. If necessary, bring the strength of the whole community to bear. But then, then Peter comes back to Jesus with a question about those who have fallen short, saying, how often should I forgive them? Is it as many as seven times? Subtext here seems to be that Peter feels as if what he's got to do is establish an upper limit. As if having failings, if having failures, you know, if having them forgiven seven times, this would be pushing it. Peter then seems to be leaning into the role, the part of his role, that is, of being a righteous judge, holding those to account who have made errors. Perhaps he's asking Jesus here for sentencing guidelines, establishing upper limits on leniency. Life of faith, then, here is one of minding my P's and Q's, being sure that I'm not failing at anything or sinning against anyone because I'm, I'm racking up debits or credits. I'm not sure quite where that goes. I'm pushing up against, perhaps, that upper limit of seven. Perhaps I'm on my last strike here. The man at the gates, the man with the keys to the realm, says, how often am I supposed to forgive them? Seven times? 
making this picture particularly galling to me personally is the fact that Peter leaves much to be desired as far as righteous judges go. He's not particularly righteous, not as far as the Gospel of Matthew is concerned anyway, because by the time that we reach the 18th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, Peter has made some mistakes. I might go so far as to say, and if you pardon my language here, Peter has been guilty of some real bloomers. Some real bloomers. Not that anyone is counting, but bloomer number one. He was caught by Jesus arguing with the other disciples about who among them was the greatest, thoroughly missing the point of what leadership in the church is all about. Bloomer number two. Not that anyone's counting. When Jesus was walking on water, Peter, of all the disciples, insisted that he should be the one who gets to walk out on the water himself. Jesus agrees and called Peter to walk out on the water, and he did. He was walking on the water, but because he felt the wind blowing, because he felt some wind, Peter lost faith and fell into the water, requiring Jesus to fish him out of the drink. Three, Peter fails totally to understand the parable of the weeds and the wheat which is a nuanced point about how hard it is sometimes to tell right from wrong, not to rush into judgment of other people. It's a nuanced point of moral judgment to which Peter replies, are, are you telling us we need to go pull up those weeds over there? Like the literal weeds that were nearby them in the field. No, total failure to understand what Jesus is talking about. Number four, Peter once again fails to understand parables when, after Jesus says to avoid the yeast of the scribes and the Pharisees, meaning be careful about the passions that arise from overly strict religiosity. When Peter hears this, he says, Jesus is probably upset at us because we don't have any bread, which is just not correct. He's not talking about bread at all. Number five, Peter inadvertently makes a pretty important declaration on Jesus' behalf, without talking to Jesus about this, makes a pretty important declaration about what Jesus is required to do under the law. It's in a sort of an offhand way. Peter declares that, yes, in fact, Jesus is required to pay the temple tax after all. It was sort of a, a trap that was being laid for Peter, who just walked right into it, didn't understand what was going on, creating a real theological pickle that requires Jesus to miraculously produce two coins out of the mouth of a fish in order that he could abide by this tax policy that Peter has just created for him. Number six, Jesus has just finished telling the disciples about where their journey is taking them. That this trip they're taking to Jerusalem, that it's going to end with the cross, it's going to end with death. And Peter takes Jesus aside, and he says, Jesus, you have got this all wrong, don't do this. To which Jesus replies, get behind me, Satan. Ouch. And this is the guy this is the guy who holds the keys to the realm, who is checking the door, serving as judge, who is in, who is out. This is the guy, this parable misunderstanding, water walk failing, accidental tax policy creating, guy who thinks he's the greatest and whom Jesus calls Satan. This is the guy. Peter has made some errors and bad ones too. 
By the time we get to the 18th chapter of Matthew, Peter has racked up one, two, three, four, five, six major errors where Jesus has specifically told him, you have gotten this all wrong. Six major errors. And then Jesus begins talking about the practice and method of what to do about people in the community who have failed. How far to let it go, how to rein people back in, what it would look like to cut ties. And Peter, who is a six-fold failure, comes and asks Jesus, how often should I forgive? Is it as many as seven times? How often could there be forgiveness for me? Is it as many as seven times? Peter is asking, am I on my last strike now? Do I have to be perfect from here on out? Or could I have maybe even just one more chance? How often am I to forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus replies, seven. Seven times. It's 77 times. 70 times seven times. That is, of grace, there's, there's no end. You may as well try to swallow the sea. And Peter, the disciple of sevenfold grace, this is who sits at the gates of heaven. Or maybe not. <laughs> We're trying to imagine the unimaginable here. Here at the gates of heaven is one who knows of the life of faith. That it is filled. It is filled with failures. And filled with grace. Filled with falling down and filled with being picked up. The life of faith you don't have to be any better than Peter, that's for sure. Do not walk through this life of faith afraid that you are on your last strike, that, that God is surely about to turn you out on your ear. Ours is not a God who demands perfection, but who promises grace. Ours is not a God who calls the perfect to serve her, but who slowly perfects those who follow her through service. Ours is not a God who is looking for any excuse to toss us to the side and be done with us, but who sees, who sees us and knows us and loves us and lets us begin every day anew. Thanks be to God. Amen.